Well, in this series called Anchors, um, what we've been doing is we've been looking at what we would say is at, as of most importance to us as a church, the things that rise to the, to the very top as we seek to be a church that is faithful to God and it also as we seek to be a church that impacts the lives of as many people as possible because the, the gospel, the message of Christ is that, um, that amazing. I shared in, in week one of this series that when I asked myself the question, Jeff, just how important are these three things that we'll be talking about over the course of the next three weeks at that time, uh, there were th- three different faces that came to my mind very quickly upon asking myself that question. It was the faces of my, my three kids who we dearly love, right? And I was thinking to myself, okay, if, if my three kids, if they could have these three things as a part of their life as, as children, and then as they grew up into, uh, as teenagers, and then clear into adulthood, if they would regularly have these three things as a part of their life, I thought to myself, they will be in a sweet spot. And their faith won't be tired, it won't be boring, but their faith will be thriving. And that's what we're shooting for. We're saying these three things will lead us not to a faith that's average or mundane or, or just kind of da, 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 going through the motions, but a faith that we would say it's, it's thriving. It's a faith that we, we love to have. We call this series Anchors, and um, we're looking again at those things that are just most important. And you might remember that when we talk about an, an anchor, <clears throat> what, we're, what we're talking about, you know what an anchor does. An anchor keeps you, an anchor keeps you grounded. Um, an anchor, you, 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 you're out boating or something, and, and you, you put down an anchor when you find a good spot and you want to stay there. That's the purpose of an anchor. It keeps you from going adrift. It keeps you in a good place. And so these three things, they rise to the top as essentials as we look and we say, okay, we want to be a church that leads people not to just faith in Christ, but to thriving faith in Jesus Christ. And so what rises to the top? Here they are, these three things. We said that we would worship Christ. Number one, we would worship Christ. And then we talked about how we would live in community. And then thirdly, today, we're talking about how we would be on mission. That first week, what we did is... We defined worshiping Christ as this. We said when you worship Christ, what you're doing is you're finding and you're expressing your greatest satisfaction in God. Uh, We were created from the very beginning to live in relationship with our creator. And creation worships the creator. And we said our greatest satisfaction will be found when we find and when we express our greatest joy, our greatest affection in Jesus Christ alone. And until then, we said, and I think this is true of all of us, our hearts will be restless until then. And then last week, Pastor Steve talked about our second anchor, living in community. And and we learned that it's possible to be a worshiper of Christ and not to be connected in other authentic relationships but we see that throughout the scriptures, we even we see this pattern that if we want to thrive, if we want to take it to the next level, not just a mundane, not average, but if we want to thrive in our faith, it is an essential boost that we be connected in authentic relationships. When I became a follower of, of, of Christ in, in college, um, it was the very first time for me that I had ever been to a, a small group like this. And and I remember going, and I was, I was actually pretty nervous, but what I found that day was true of what I found in my own experience just this past week, that in the context, in that environment of authentic relationships, my faith is able to, to thrive. It, it takes it to an, a, a totally different level. It spurs me on. Last week, we had the opportunity then between services to, to get people connected in a, in a small group. We had a connection event, and 
It was pretty cool. Over 170 people are in the process now of getting in a group. People who said, you know what, I'm not in a group yet, but I, I want to be. I want to thrive in my faith in Christ. I want you to know if you missed last week, you can go online, you can listen to that message, but you can also go online and um, under, on our website under community groups and you can get connected. We'll, we'll get you into a group. Um, so now, this morning, this morning we're hitting this third anchor. If we're pursuing, if we're a church that's on, 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 we're headed towards leading people to having a growing faith in Jesus Christ that's thriving, this last part, it's all about getting on mission. So first, I think we need to ask the question, what does it mean to be on mission? What does it mean to get on mission, and why would we want to do so? Let me ask the, a, a question first. When you see those two words, when you see those two words, on mission, what for you triggers mentally? What, what comes to mind? On mission. Maybe it's that new movie out, Lone Survivor, right? That's definitely an on mission movie. Probably things that will come to mind like this, like living, on with a, living with a great purpose, or, or you would say having a clear focus, being in incredibly intentional, knowing where you want to go, but not only that, knowing how you're going to get there. That's, that's living on mission. You might lead or you might work for a company, and you would say of that company that their mission is very clear. The best ones have a very clear mission. You know exactly what they're about, and you know where they're going. The direction is clear. I think we also would say we all know people that are living with a clear mission. We know people that we would say, wow, that person has great purpose. Uh, that, that person has great focus. That person lives with incredible intentionality. My day off is on Monday, and so our kids were home this last Monday, um, and as our nation honored the life of, of Dr. Martin Luther King. And so that morning, we watched uh, the 17-minute speech, his most famous speech. And I tell you what, you could listen to even just one minute of that short speech, and you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this man is living on mission, a noble mission. His focus is, was incredibly clear. His passion was white hot. And I know this, that when those people left in 1963, when they left the Lincoln Memorial that day, there wasn't a person that doubted what this guy was about. There wasn't a person that was like, I wonder, I wonder really what he's shooting for. Everybody knew his mission was clear. When you have a clear mission, I think we would agree it changes your life. It changes how you see things. You see things through a different lens. It impacts every area of your life. It, it impacts your, your, really your motivation even for life. It impacts how you spend your time. It impacts what you do with your resources. It impacts how you look at relationships in your life. When you have a clear mission, there's a purpose in your mind that gets you out of bed. For some people, their mission is to build a business. That's the, that's the aim of their life. For others, it's to raise well-behaved or well-educated kids. For others, it's to build wealth. For others, it's just to finally get to a point where I can relax and just enjoy life. For others, their mission is to become what they always dreamed of becoming. But let me ask a, a penetrating question. Here it is. If, if you were to articulate the mission of your life, what would you say? If you were to summarize the mission of your life in a few sentences, what words would you say? What, what, what comes to mind? This is one of those questions that I think oftentimes life seems too busy to have enough time to really ask this question. But if we actually did really think about this one, it impacts us in some pretty big ways. 
If you and I, if we follow the life of of Jesus throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John, we would see very clearly that not only did Jesus have a mission, but we would see what that mission was. If you'd have been Jesus's kind of his traveling companion, you would have known right away that, that Jesus, one of his missions was to heal the sick. And so Jesus was the type that he wasn't afraid to engage anyone. And so he would go to the, the sickest of the sick and he, he would heal them. That was a part of his mission. We would see right away also that, that Jesus' mission was to relieve the, the oppression that certain people felt. We would also find that his, his mission was to offer forgiveness and, and grace to people that would say, you know what, I've, I've messed up. To people that would say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of down on myself. Or people that, that would say, wow, I'm, I, I've, got, I've got issues in my life. Jesus was the type that would say, hey, I, I can offer you forgiveness. That's my mission. His mission was clear. Jesus was stepping into a broken world, and he was stepping into it so that it could be restored. The Apostle Paul, he said it like this. He said, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us. His mission, though, it wasn't comfortable. The mission of Jesus Christ, it was gutsy. It was also very costly. This mission, though, that Jesus went on, it has meant so much to some of you. For some of you, the mission that Jesus went on has meant so much to you. It's grabbed your heart so much as you think about just the uncomprehendable love of God and the mission that Jesus Christ went on for you. It's gripped you. And so what you're saying with your life is you're saying, I want everything in my life to point right back to Christ. The mission of Jesus has grabbed your heart because it's changed you. And so you're saying, I want my life to point other people right back to Christ. So you're constantly the type where you ask the question, okay, how can my life point others back to him? John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, he he recorded a, a very interesting interaction that Jesus had with his disciples. And this was after Jesus had been to the cross. And, and he appears to his disciples. And as you can imagine, they've watched Jesus go to the cross. And so they were hanging on every word that Jesus was saying to them. I mean, when they saw him, I mean, think about it. This was the one that they've, they'd seen him be beaten. They'd seen him go through torture. They had seen him hang on a cross. And now he appears to them. And you can know this, they didn't doubt at that point whether he was God. Because he's standing before them and he shows them, man, this is where my hands were pierced and my side was... He he showed them that and beyond a shadow of a doubt they would have said, wow, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And it says as they hung on every word that he said as he appeared to them, it says that they were overjoyed. Overjoyed, you can imagine. But in the midst of this encounter with them, Jesus made their mission very clear to them. He made their underlying purpose for life very clear, crystal clear to them. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, and you guys know the mission that I've been on, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus, the one who had been on mission for them, who had, they had watched it, they had seen it unfold. He's saying, I'm now sending you on a mission for other people. I'm sending you in my name to restore. I'm sending you to God and bring hope and bring healing and, and bring forgiveness and point people back to me. Your mission is to point people to me. And I've got to wonder that evening. I wonder what it was like for them, and I wonder if they had just a really big reality check. 
Because they had seen Jesus go through so much. They knew that his mission was not easy. They knew that it was incredibly hard. They realized that now Jesus was saying, hey, I'm not going to, you're not, your life is not about you. Your life is now about a mission. It's greater, much, much greater than you. I wonder if it was a bit of a whoa moment when they went, whoa, Jesus is calling us to a mission. And while there was no doubt fear that went with their call, I bet too there was a sense of wow. I mean, think about the living God is standing before us. He's calling us, us, on a mission He's calling us to engage. He's saying to us, you know, as the Father has sent me, now you guys, I am sending you. I bet you there was a sense of honor. I bet you there was a feeling of excitement, of awe. I mean, who doesn't want to live for something great, something bigger than ourselves? Just imagine going, wow. Now, if you miss everything else this morning, don't miss this. God has a mission, and it's the greatest mission of all, and it's to help people find God. But here's the key. God doesn't say, okay, I've got this mission, incredibly important. It's the hearts and the eternities and the lives of people, and I want you just to be a bystander. No, no, no. Here's what you can't miss. He calls us to be a part of it. God calls us. He's saying, you know what? The, The very reason to the core of who you are and why you get out of bed each day, he's saying, I'm calling you to point people back to me. One pastor and author, he put it like this, put it very well. He said, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. Know this, you live on mission for Jesus Christ when you, when you point other people to him. You live on mission when you serve in the city or when you serve in the church and you want to see the mission of Jesus Christ accomplished. You live on mission when you step out, when you, you speak openly about your faith. On Christmas Eve, I was talking to a really neat lady in our church and, and she has um, family clear down to great-grandchildren that attend here. And she said to me after the service, she said, boy, Pastor Steve sure can bring it, can't he? And I said with a smile, I said, yeah, he can. What a great night it was. And, and she said to me, it was great. And then what she said next kind of took me back a little bit. And she said, and it better have been. And I was like, whoa, no pressure, you know. And, and then she said this. She said, because I invited my good friend. And she came She pointed over to her friend, and I looked at her, and I said, wow. I said, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? And she said to me, no, it really doesn't. And I walked away from that, and I thought to myself, wow, here's a gal that could just coast. She could just coast to the finish line of life, but she's not. And what she's saying is this, there's a greater mission, and I want to be a part of it. Two Friday nights ago, I was sitting at the, in the back of our Married Life Live event, and, and if you were here, you felt kind of the buzz in the room because there were so many people here who had been invited by a friend. They're all over the place. At one point, I looked to my left, and I, I saw a guy that I know, I know really well, and, and next to him were these two couples that I knew he had invited, and I just thought to myself, okay, here's went through, here's went through his mind the week before. He and his wife thought to themselves, okay, God Almighty has given me a gift God Almighty, by his 
utter grace has redeemed me. He's brought me. He's he showed me how I can have relationship with a holy God even though I'm not holy. And he thought to himself, okay, since God's given me this gift, what's the natural thing that I want to do? I want to give it to somebody else. That's what motivated him. But let's be honest here for a second. That guy's living on mission, that couple is. But let's be honest before we get too excited about getting on mission for for Christ. There are some very um, real emotions that go with it. When Jesus appeared to these disciples that night, and he said to them, hey, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Just before this, know this, that when they were gathered together in that room, in that house, what they did just before Jesus appeared is they locked the doors. I mean, they were afraid. They were afraid of the Jews because they knew how the Jews had just treated Jesus. There was fear that went with that. But now Jesus says to them, hey, you guys, I know what you're afraid of, but now I'm sending you right out into it. I'm sending you. This is a word um, that I think goes right along with mission. So we're risk. You experience risk when you invite a neighbor, right? You experience risk when you put your neck out there a little bit and you, you step into some kind of unknown waters. You experience risk when you kind of speak up for your faith. When you don't play it safe, you experience risk. And because that's the case, because you experience risk, so many people would say this, they don't live on mission. They never get on mission because they don't like the waters of risk. They're afraid of it, and so they stay back, and they come and they go, and, and that's just it. And so they, they don't take a risk, and they don't, they don't get on mission. But there's another word that I think goes right along with risk. It's, it's this word, right along with, with living on mission. It's this, not only is there risk, But there's incredible joy. This is what you have when you see a neighbor walk through those doors for the very first time. It just blesses you and you think, wow, no greater joy. This is what happens when you you, you put your neck out there a little bit and, and your friend finally puts their faith in Christ. They finally step over the line. There's no greater joy. This is what happens when you serve, when you come early, when you stay late. And then you, you realize, wow, we're moving something forward where people are experiencing and they're coming to know Christ in a deeper way. And you realize that and you think to yourself, yeah, it's worth it. And you go, wow, what a joy. God lets me be a part of that. For service, I was telling them that there's been a guy that God's been putting on my heart recently. He's just been continually just kind of nudging me uh, to reach out to this guy. So I'm, I'm telling them all about that and And God's been working on this guy. And I got to tell you, there's no greater joy than to know that God's working on this this particular guy in my life. So I'm standing right over there um, after first service. Guy taps me on the shoulder. I turn around and it's him. I said, I was talking about you today. And he's like, I know, you know, and whatever. But I got to be honest with you. No greater joy. No greater joy, hands down. When you get involved, when you get on mission and you see God begin to change lives, it doesn't get any better. There's risk. There's risk in, on mission. You got to put yourself out there a little bit. You got to, and you know what that feels like. I had an experience a couple weeks ago and I thought, ooh, you know, it's that, that moment when you're, you can say it or you cannot. And I stepped into the water. And when, I, when that whole experience was over, I thought, whew, I was kind of sweating. I was like, wow, that was risky. I thought, whoa. It might lead to joy. It might lead to joy. I was reading in the Old Testament this week, and 
I came to a very an interesting encounter that God lays out before someone. God gives this person a very clear mission. God gives this person a very clear opportunity of how this guy can get on mission with God. And you might think, well, it's in the Bible, so this guy probably stepped up and he took the challenge. But here's, here's the story. The, the, the guy's name is Moses, and, and when God appeared to him, he was just doing his day job. He was just a shepherd, and he was out doing his, his thing, and, and God appears to him, and, and here's how it unfolds. This is Exodus chapter 3. The Lord says to him, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land. And he goes on, verse 9, says, the, the cry of the Israelites, it's reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. To which Moses was probably thinking at this time, wow, that's really great news. I mean, I'm glad that you're saying this because I've been seeing the oppression. I know what's happening in these people's lives, and it's been going on for too long, and it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. So I'm so glad that you were saying this to me, Lord. But then came the kicker. Then came the opportunity. Then came the risk. These next words from God would have been a, a big shock to Moses. Verse 10 he says, so now go. I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Let me ask you, have you ever heard a whisper from God to do something? Like God said, I want you to go, I want you to do that. God said go, but you said the first thing that came to your mind was no. I have, wow, definitely been there. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe it's a, in, in a serving role. Maybe it's, you know, the, the moving the, the purposes of God forward in a, in a church or it's an opportunity in the city or it's, or it's something that a person that God just brought your way. It's, a, it's an opportunity and you've said to yourself, well, who am I? There's got to be somebody else who's got as much time as I am. But even more importantly, there's someone else who has a better gift mix than I do for that. You talk about also taking a risk. I mean, think about this. Moses was supposed to go and he was supposed to appear before the ruler of the land. And this particular ruler could have had him killed in an instant just for speaking to him like this. Yet the Lord says, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to gather your people. I want you to go to the... To the, and assemble the leaders of Israel, and I want you to tell them that God has appeared to you and, and that God has heard the cries of the people, and now God is going to act on your behalf. It says this in Exodus chapter 4, Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? What if they say, Lord, or what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Kind of like, what if they say, Moses, you must not be taking your medication, you know, or something like that, right? <laughs> Later in Exodus chapter 9, it says, the Lord says to Moses, I have, I love this verse, I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. This verse is true of every one of us. God has raised you up. He's uniquely gifted you and wired you for a great purpose beyond yourself. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, very politely, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. 
Now Moses, he makes no shortage of excuses as to why he can't be used by God to accomplish God's mission. Lord says, go. Moses says, no, no. There's a young gal in our church, and since she was a little girl, she's always dreamed about being on TV. As a very small child, she's watching Barney with her mom, and she looks over at her mom, and she says, Mom, when will it be my chance? When, when will I be on TV? And so with that kind of as her dream, she's been pursuing that. She's kind of gone down the acting path and school and whatnot, and she's planned to go to college to study vocal performance. This has been her dream as a, as a small child. Well, last summer, she was serving foster kids at Royal Family Kids Camp, and at one point, she told her other bro- older brother, she said, I think God is calling me to be a social worker, but I don't want to. And her brother, who's experienced the difference between living for God's mission and living for his own mission, he said to her very wisely, he said, do not ignore God. I ignored God for four years, and you know what it cost me. Well, a little time passed, and she forgot about this, you know, nudge from God and whatnot, and and then she found herself in San Diego on her high school mission trip. And the first day of that trip, their experience was to, to go out and fast and to pray all day long just to seek the Lord for their trip. And she later, she said this to her mom. She said, Mom, I'm not the kind of a person that thinks that God talks to me. But in this fasting time, I heard clearly from God. She said, I heard clearly I'm not supposed to have a major in vocal performance. I'm supposed to be a social worker. She said, God said two things to me. He said, first, the first thing he told me was that even if I go to the auditions, because she said, I always thought I'll go to the auditions, well, and if they don't pan out, then I'll pursue social work. It'll just be my backup plan. She said, so it's as though the Lord said to me very clearly, if you even go to the auditions, you're being disobedient to me. And the second thing she said is, it's as though the Lord said to me very clearly, I'm protecting you from something. And she said this now. She said, I used to be afraid that I'd try out and I'd audition and I would not make it. Now I'm afraid I'll try out and I will make it. And so what's she doing? She's going to college to be a social worker. I talked to her this week and and she said to me, she said, it's really scary following God. She said, it's risky. It's risky, but it's right. Back to Moses, verse 11 the Lord said to him, in, in response to all of his excuses, the Lord says, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Verse 13, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Here it is, four words. Please send someone else. Now, if you know the story, you know that Moses moves forward. Moses gets past his fears and his excuses, and, and he gets on mission for God. And I just wondered to myself if there wasn't a time as Moses led this whole nation of people, over two and a half million people, I wonder if there wasn't a point as Moses is leading them, if he looks back over his shoulder as he's out in front, and he sees just the, the masses and masses of people. And I wonder if he looks at it and he goes, whoa, there was some risk involved. But wow, what a ride. What a a joy. Hebrews chapter 11 says this about him. It says, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because here it is, he was looking ahead to his reward. 
He got the mission. He experienced the risk, but he also experienced the joy of being on mission for God. One chapter later there in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, it says this of, of Jesus. It says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross for the joy. Now the joy for Jesus was you. The joy for Jesus was me, that we could be restored into relationship with him, that people far from God could be restored into relationship with a loving God. That was the joy for Christ. He went through incredible suffering and pain to get there, but what was on the other side? Renewed relationship with people, joy. Tim Keller put it like this. He said, the lack of joy in your life is due to the lack of mission. Now, it's not uncommon that you might be sitting here this morning and, and you might say to yourself, you know what, I, I don't have a lot of joy. My joy level is low. I've got a lot going on in my life, but I don't have a lot of joy. I don't feel a lot of purpose in my life even. And I'm hopeful this morning that you'll connect two dots. I'm hopeful that you'll see the parallel between living on mission and entering into some risk and also great joy. Living on mission, getting on mission, and experiencing great joy. One of the top things that I, I love about this church, what I love about Brookside, is that there's a lot of on-mission living. When you intentionally build a relationship with someone far from God, you're living on mission. You are. When you thoughtfully share your faith in Jesus Christ, you're living on mission. I was having lunch with a guy this week, and a friend, and, and we were just talking about um, this next year, and we were just kind of laying out our, the goals that we had and sharing those back and forth with each other. And I looked on his paper, and he had the names of, of three different couples, three different people in his life, couples in his life, that he said, by the end of the year, I want these people to have been invited, and I'm really praying they're going to be coming to church with us. That's a, that's a goal for him. He's on, on mission. This next series that Pastor Steve's going to begin next week is all going to be all about how we can be conversational with our faith. Don't miss any of these three weeks coming up. Know this, you live on mission when you serve the poor in the name of Christ. You're on mission. You live on mission when you give financially to the work of God and what you're saying, really what you're proclaiming is this, my treasure is connected to a mission. It's greater than me. It's God's mission. When you serve in the church that is seeking to, to further the purposes of God, you know what you're doing? You're living on mission. This is so cool. There are over, get this, there are over 300 volunteers that allow us to do the ministries that we do on a weekly basis. Over 300 from those serving our very youngest. Think about how important that is. It's their first, maybe, view of God. It's for sure their very first view of church. How important is that? We've got volunteers doing that, but not only that, we go right up the line, we go all the way to our students, we've got people opening up their homes saying, you know what, we'll open up our home, we'll let people, we'll let a group gather here. Beyond that, we've got people that are saying, in different pockets throughout the city, and they're saying, in the name of Christ, I want to step forward and I want to be a blessing. You are living on mission, and I want to encourage you this morning. The Apostle Paul said this, he said, your labor when you show up early, when you stay late, when you drive home in the cold, when you wonder if it's worth it cleaning up your place, know this, the Apostle Paul said, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And it's not in vain because it changes people's lives. And when people's lives get changed, talk about joy. Eternity gets changed. 
I believe to my core that Jesus Christ looks at each and every one of us and he looks at us and he says, I wired you just the way I wanted you. And I've gifted you just the way I wanted you, but I've gifted you and I've wired you for a purpose greater than you. And if you'll take some risks, if you'll get on mission, you will experience a joy like never before. As I was preparing this week, I'd sense God saying to me as clear as day, Jeff Dart, you will never regret the times when you step into the waters of risk. You'll never regret the times when you kind of put your neck out there a little bit. You will never regret those times when you tried to make me known. I want to end this morning with just um, us kind of mulling over just one question. And here it is. We'll put this on the screen too. It's how is God prompting me this morning to engage in his mission? When you think about this great mission that God calls us to, to, to point people back to him, how is God prompting me this morning to engage in his mission? We're going to end a little bit differently. We're going to give you just some time now, just a few moments, just to, to kind of mull that question over. And Chris is going to come out and kind of play in the back, and, and, then, um, and then he'll lead us in, in one song. But I just I want us to wrestle with that question We asked at the very beginning of this message, we said, Lord, would you speak to us? And now we're asking the question, how did he speak, right? 